it was quite the eventful, eventful week for the hospital because she had high blood pressure. And so it was kind of one of those moments where it was like, absolutely go for it. But my wife, being the calm, the cool, calm, collected person she, she is, she said, oh, no, I'll go home first. I'll get my stuff ready. I'm like, honey, we got to go right now. And so she came home. We, 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 to, my, to my protest, we, she came home. We packed our stuff, and we went off to the hospital. At the hospital, they explained to us everything was going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, but that was around 11 o'clock, um, right, before, right around noontime. Then we just waited. Just waited. Um, the doctor, the nurses came in, checked her blood pressure. It was a little high, so we were a little bit concerned, like, what was going on here? She was having more and more contractions. Uh, contractions is when, you know, the body is getting ready for the baby to come out. Uh, she, she was having more and more contractions, and around midnight is when uh, the doctors were like, okay, we're going to break your water, and, and we'll see what happens. And so we were there for pretty much all day in anticipation for this baby to come. My wife is in agony, in, in pain because of all these contractions, and at 3.30 in the morning, Bennett comes out. And, and he comes out, and to the relief of my wife and to our family, uh, we were able just to hold him, just to hug him, and just to enjoy, enjoy him coming, even though it was three weeks early. So we're so thankful uh, for all of your love and support. We're just, I'm a little sleep-deprived right now. Uh, I think our, our whole family is a little sleep-deprived. So if I, if I don't make much sense during the message today, uh, hopefully you can excuse me a little bit, uh, but really, we're just so thankful that the Lord brought to us a healthy child. With, with the birth of my son, um, this, this Christmas season becomes a little bit more, more nuanced. It becomes a little bit more emotionally charged for me. Uh, because of how excited I am to have a son, and again, I already have a daughter, so this isn't my first kid, um, but this, this, is, this is a son, and, and I think there's a little bit of a difference in the way I'm mentally preparing myself. When it came to my daughter, um, uh, when, when she came out, it was, I held her, and, and I, 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 I literally just said to her, I, as she was a little baby, I was just holding her, I said, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. That, that was, that was my, my attitude with, with Emery, my daughter, with Bennett. When I, when I held him, when I held Bennett in my arms, it was more of not really talking to him, but more of like, what am I going to say to you? And it was, it was really like, what am I going to say to you when, you when you grow up and you ask me that question that I'm so dreading even now is, is when Bennett asked me, Dad, what am I supposed to do? When he asked, Dad, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to, to, to be a guy? Like, I, I don't know, what am, I, what am I supposed to tell him? Like, uh, play lots of sports, you know, um, don't, don't, don't mess around. No, like, what, is it, what am I going to do when, when Bennett asks me, uh, as his father, and he looks me in the eyes, and he's going to say, Dad, what's the point of life? And I, I, I've really been thinking about this because I think with Emery, it's, it's, it's really my idea is I want to I wanna just lavish her with love and just hope she grows up to, to be a loving, a loving woman of God. And, and I don't know, maybe my wife has, has these same feelings with Emery, but I don't know about raising a son. I, 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 there's so many feelings inside of me that like, I want to make sure that I raise him to be, to be a man of God, to, to be a man that knows how to act and operate in any situation, that I would be able to look at him and say, son, I trust you. You know, like you, you, you are a man now. You are grown up so you can live life the way that God intended you to. But I, as I was thinking about that, I'm trying to figure out what am I supposed to tell him? When he asked me, how am I supposed to live life? 
And I realized that as we are studying, as we are going over this Advent season, the, the focus on Christ, the focus on the coming of Jesus in the form of a baby, I realized that the answer to life is in Christ. And before that sounds too cliche, before that sounds like uh, just a, 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 something that, of course, any pastor is going to tell you, I want to explain to you that Jesus did not have to come down to this earth in the form of a baby. He didn't have to come in the form of a helpless baby in a manger in Jerusalem, I mean, in Bethlehem, in, in Israel. He didn't have to do that. He could have chosen as the Son of God, as God himself, to come down on clouds. With, with thunderbolts and, and, and with lightning and, and, and with just all trumpets and all, all these instruments blaring out saying the Son of God has come. But Jesus chose to come down in the form of a child. And the reason why he did this, it was a very calculated, calculated choice that Jesus chose to come down in the form of a baby was to explain to us that his purpose was not only to die for us, but his purpose was to live for us. His purpose was to demonstrate what human life was supposed to look like, what, what the purpose of mankind was supposed to be. See, it was so distorted by sin up until this point. This single point of Christmas, this single point of the birth of Christ, that, the, that mankind has had constantly strayed away from God's intended design. That when God came down in the form of a baby, it was God's huge statement of saying, okay, I'm going to show you what it means to be human. I'm going to show you what it means to be a person. I'm going to show you what it means to be a child of God. And so today we're going to learn the lesson of Jesus. And we're going to start by, by going in the book of John. From John chapter 1. And this isn't usually what's preached over on a Christmas Eve service, but I, I felt so compelled to bring you today's message. And so if you would open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 1, starting from verse 1. We're going to read a, a few verses that hopefully resonate with you because they're definitely resonating with me today. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, hold on. We're going to stop right there for a second. Jesus is the word in this. Jesus is the word. And the word is actually in Greek, logos, the name of our church. And I don't know if you know, but I actually found out just recently, the reason why our church is called Logos Central Chapel is because the word, Jesus, is central to this chapel. Jesus is the center of this church. The word of God is center to my ministry, to our ministry, to our community. And so when we say, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, and this is where I want us to focus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, this word, this Jesus, this person that we've heard a lot about, in him 
is life. And it's not the same kind of life that we see on a day-to-day basis that is the kind of life that Bennett has. The life that is just brought forth and you're like, oh, it's a baby, this is so amazing. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about the life of the Word. When we talk about the life of the Word, it explains in this passage what it means. It says, and the life was the light of men. You see, this is really what today's message is going to be about. It's the light of mankind. The light that breaks through the darkness. And so before I explain to us what the light of mankind is, I need to uncover and I explain to you what the darkness of mankind is. What what is it that this light is breaking through, that it's piercing through? It's the darkness of man. See, Jesus, the word came down to be life for us, to bring light into our lives. But what's the purpose of light if there's not darkness? I don't know about you, but when I turn on the news, when I read Facebook, when I read all these different media outlets and I I see what's going on in the world, I think it's easy to say there's a lot of darkness in this world. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of sin. There's pride, there's arrogance, there's corruption, there's bullying, there's there's bad words being spoken to other people, there's starvation, there's hunger, there's famine, there's disaster at every corner. And I don't know about you, but as I'm a father of two children now, my natural instinct is to get my children closer to me is to bring them under my arms and say, I'll protect you from the darkness of this world. I'll cover you. I'll, sh- I'll shade over you so that the darkness of the world won't corrupt you, won't touch you. And I see this happening with a lot of families. A lot of times when we have these little innocent children, we, we, we go over them, we huddle over them, and we say, I got you. I'll protect you. It's a natural paternal instinct that we have because we see so much darkness in the world. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to have parents that cover you, that that put their arms around you, that protect you from the darkness of the world because the darkness is, is visible. The darkness is there. We can feel it. We see it. But let me tell you what I'm realizing very quickly is my arms aren't very strong. My cover isn't perfect. And I know and you know that as we try to cover those beneath us, as we try to protect our loved ones, as we try to protect our own lives, there are holes, there are gaps, and the darkness seeps in. We have problems. We have conflict. We have issues. There are things that happen in our lives that we readily are able to say, this is not how it's supposed to be. This is not how life should be. This is so messed up. This is so broken. And hopefully we come to the conclusion that we need someone to save us. When I talk about the light of men, the light of men is the good things in life. The light of men is that love. The light of men is that love that God has made innate inside of us to desire, to want But you see what happens so frequently is when we have this desire for love because our context is so dark, it's so broken, it's so flawed, even the desire for love becomes flawed. It becomes dark. The love that we have for one another breaks down. We become jaded. We become cynical. We have no hope. 
What Jesus does, the thing that Jesus guarantees you isn't just a spot in heaven for eternity. That's not all that Jesus is saying when he comes down in the form of a helpless child. What he's saying, what he's doing, is he's saying, no, I can give you life, eternal life. And that life isn't just a place in heaven. This life is saying that I can bring light into your life. That in any area where you see darkness, in any area where you feel helpless and hopeless, that the love of God can come in and illuminate that situation. That any time you feel like you're alone, that God is there right by you because he chose to come in the form of a baby. You see, this is the message of God, is to bring in life so that light would shine. You would become the way he intended. You would be what he wanted. And as you do that, you will be able to shine your light. You will be able to shine the love of Christ to those dark places. And what we know is that when we have light, the darkness becomes much less frightful. When we go camping and it's dark outside and you hear all the different noises, as you have that campfire just warm and, and, and the light that emanates from it, you begin to feel safe. As we rely on Christ, our lives don't seem so bleak. They don't seem so cold. We're able to huddle around God, around Christ, and say everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be good. What the world calls darkness, we can say Christ can redeem. What the world says is broken, we can say God can fix. You see, any stage of life that we're in, if we rely on the life of Christ, we can bring light to that situation. And so when Bennett asks me in the future, Dad, how do I be a man? My first response is, shine the light of Christ. And I hope it's not cliche to him. I hope it's not something that he just hears and is like, okay, Dad, that's, that, that's crazy. No, I, I hope he understands what that means is to show the love of Christ to those around you, to, imp- to enact, to, to be a source where you are reflecting what Jesus did unto others, not because you deserve it, but because Christ has shown you so much love that any time you are in a dark situation, and I'm sure my son will be in dark situations, He's going to go to school. He's going to go to college. He's going to do all these things. And I'm sure he's going to be in situations where his character will be put to the test. And those are the times that I want to reiterate to him. Shine the light of God. Shine the light of Christ. Show the world that there is a God who loves you, who cares about you. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. Because what this passage is really talking about, it's, it's talking about the Messiah, about the promised child of God, the promised servant of God who would come and save the world. And even when we hear that, even when I hear that, that God is going to send the Messiah, again, I think not in, in, in terms of a helpless babe, of a baby in a manger. What I think of is that guy, that God that comes down on clouds with the trumpets blaring, with a sword in his hand, ready to conquer the world. But what God shows us, again, is this example of who he is. Example of his character and how so many times what we expect of God and what the reality is is so far from 
so far in distance that we begin to lose focus about who God really is. So John makes it very clear that the Word was with God in the very beginning. And that everything that was made was made with, in conjunction, in community, in congregation with himself. Between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That one God in three persons was able to make the world, make creation as it's supposed to be. This means that Jesus understood at a, at a fundamental level how everything was made. And so he's like the author. He is the author of all creation. He is the architect of all creation. And so when he came down and he lived his life, he was inherently explaining to us how we're supposed to live life, live our lives as human beings. And how do I see Christ living his life? How do we emulate his life? And it's summarized in one word. Obedience. Jesus' entire life can be summarized through the word of obedience. Obedience unto his Father. Everything that Jesus did was a response to what God was telling him to do. And so as we think about what it means to be a human being, what it means to, to grow and develop as a person, the word obedience is key. It's crucial. It's vital. That's why one of the commandments is to honor your father and mother. It's, it's to make sure that we do obey. But even as I say that word obedience, as I say obey, I begin to cringe. Because I know this word has been so twisted. It's been so broken. Because when I say obedience, what automatically comes to my mind is rule following. It's just do what the, do what the Bible says. Do what I say. I say a command, you do it right away. That's not obedience. See, obedience, obedience is not just being obligated to follow the rules. Obedience is trusting in the one who's giving you the rules. Obedience is the one, it, it, it's, it's, it's the response to a relationship with the person who's giving you the commands. See, when I say Jesus was obedient to the word of God, when, when I say Jesus was obedient to everything that his father said, I'm not saying that Jesus was like a military person, that every time God says something, Jesus was like, yes, sir, yes, sir. No, instead, every time God told him to do something, he said, yes, father. In more common terms, it's yes, dad. Yeah, of course, dad. And his obedience was, was marked and portrayed to the point where when God told him, when God told Jesus to die on a cross, to be brutally murdered, Jesus' response was, are you sure? Okay. It's not this rigid legalism that is obedience. It's a desire to do what God is telling you to do. See, yes, we want to shine the light of God. We want to spread love to the, to the ends of the world. And of course, that is exactly what I'm going to tell my son, is that I want you to shine your light and to show love. But there's a second aspect that I want to tell Bennett. I want to tell him, obey. But not in obedience that's just rule following, but in obedience that's entrusting in your father. See, even as I raise up my children, I don't want them just to listen to what I'm saying and just to do it with with a, 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 a cynical disposition. I want them to, to do it because they trust me. Dad, I don't know why you're telling me to practice my piano. I don't know why you're telling me to, to do my homework. I don't know why you're doing it. But I'm going to do it not because I want to, but because I trust in you. The thing is, I'm not God, though. 
I would much rather have them tell me, is, is dad, I know what you're telling me to do, but I really feel like God is telling me to do this. I feel like God is telling me to go on missions. I feel like God is calling me to become a doctor. I feel like God is calling me to become a pastor. I feel like God is calling me to go and, 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 and feed the homeless. And that call that we would have an obedience to, not a legalism, not, not an obligation to obey, but as Christ came down to this world, as he obeyed his Father, that we would hear the calling of God and we would obey. I think this is really well summed up in two verses. And it's two verses that, that hopefully we know very well. And you don't have to turn with, it, turn with me, but it's right there in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, this, these verses are so key and crucial to our faith because many times people read this in a way that doesn't make sense. See, God sent his son not so that you would be a legalistic follower that is, is obligated to do everything that God says. God did not come to this world to condemn you, but to save you. He sent his son, not that you would send your son, not that you would give your life. He sent his son to give you life. He wanted to grant you eternal life. It has nothing to do with what you can do for God. This explains that the foundation of our faith has everything to do with what God has done for you unconditionally. And hopefully when we read these verses and as we experience God, as we believe these verses, our trust for God, our faith in God would increase. See, as we believe that Jesus was a real person, that he really was sent from God, that he really did die on the cross, that he really did raise from the dead, that, that as we believe this, we would begin to trust God and say, okay, I believe in you. Okay, God, you, you are the real deal. This isn't, this isn't all myth. This isn't all fairy tale. This is the truth. And the more we realize that it's the truth, more will follow in Jesus' footsteps and how he's made life out to be for you and for me. And the funny thing is, when that happens, we're called to be like Christ. Whereas we hear from the Lord, we'll do what he says. And see, our, our job isn't to condemn the world. Our job is to save the world. Our job is as we act as the light of God, as we reflect the love of Christ onto others, as we obey God, we fulfill our purpose and our calling. This year, as it wraps up, I want us to think about what your purpose is here on this earth. And as you think about what your purpose is, there may be very specific callings that you have that God has given you. Maybe your occupation, it may be your family, it may be whatever. But I want us to focus on these two things that that as your pastor, I want to explain to you that your purpose is first to shine the light of God, which means to love, to love God and to love others. And the second purpose is to obey God. And that's not an obedience that it's in legalism. It's an obedience that's in response to this. 
That's in response to Jesus laying down his life for you and for me. Church, this Christmas season, when we open our gifts, when we, when we gather around a Christmas tree, when we eat all that food, what I want us to remember is the Messiah, is the Savior of the world. I want us to be thankful. I want us to be overjoyed by the fact that it's not about what you or I did. It's not about what the church did. It's not about what the world did, but it's about what God has done. God has sent his son for us. He sent his son to die for us. Not that we would have to do anything, but all we have to do is trust, is believe, is to have faith. And we're promised not only eternal life in heaven, but eternal life here. A life that cannot be broken by the darkness, that cannot be frustrated by Satan, but a life that is, is invulnerable, that it's immortal, that's, that's immutable, that anything that we do is covered by the blood of Jesus. So as you have fun with your families, as you spend time with your friends, as you do all these things in your communities, remember that the reason why you have this light of man, that you have the light of the world inside of you, is not because you're a good person. It's not because you did anything good. It's not because of the decoration. But the reason why you're experiencing the light that God intended is because he sent his only son for you. And because Jesus is here, because the Holy Spirit resides inside of us, because we know Jesus is coming back again, we can celebrate. We can celebrate with certainty. So you know what? This Christmas season, let's, let's party. Let's have fun. But remember, as you experience that joy, that's all because of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. And Lord, I pray that as we take communion right now, as we partake of your body and your blood, I pray that we would be in remembrance that this is all about you. Lord, that you had the heart to send your only son to die for us. Lord, I, I thank you. I thank you that you have that kind of love for us. That even while we were still sinners, that Jesus died for us. That you loved us. You cared about us so much that you would pay the price for our mistakes, for the darkness that we've done, that we've created, that you are the light of the world. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, the call for you today is to go and shine the light of Christ. Talk about Jesus. Tell people that the Savior has come, that, that your life can be redeemed, that their darkness doesn't have to be darkness any longer, that Jesus promises, promises to be the light to the world. Obey God. When I say obey God, don't just follow the Bible. Don't just follow all the rules and regulations. When I say obey God, I'm saying trust God. So when you follow the Bible, it's not because you have to. It's because you trust that God is a good Father who wants the best for you. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you that we can trust in you. Father, I thank you that you are the God that sent his only son to die on a cross for us. Father, I'm so in awe of 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 our Savior, Lord, that Jesus was obedient unto death on a cross, that he would follow you in that way. Father, I pray you would make us that obedient, the obedient 
obedient enough to, to sacrifice our lives for you, Lord, that we would live our lives for you, not because you want to destroy us, but because you want to redeem us. You want us to be your light in this world, that we were made to be in the image of you. Father, I pray that our lives would be able to truly shine brighter than any light in this world, that we would shine in the darkness that we see on the news every single day, in the darkness that we see in our communities, in our world. Father, that you would let the church be a city on a hill. God, you would allow us to show the world how it's meant to be. Not by legalism, not by condemnation, but through love, through acceptance, through grace. Father, help us to truly be like your son this Christmas season. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit.